This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martirano. You find us, I hope you have, uh, here on Saturdays each week talking about the disease of addiction. And you, you know, you may be surprised to hear that people are talking about the problems with addiction, or maybe you're not. Uh, we do that naturally in terms of educating and informing people. But most importantly, we, we want to leave you at the end of every hour of Recovery Radio with the message that help is out there. It is possible to get sober. Millions, as a matter of fact, do. It's worth mentioning that right at the top, because as you know, most of the stories and information we hear about the opioid epidemic and substance abuse in general or alcoholism is grim, and, and it is a grim problem. But it doesn't, it ought not to obscure the fact that, as I said, millions of people are living in long-term sobriety. So that's what Recovery Radio is about. We hope you can spend some time with us today. Speaking of sobriety, our guest in the studio today is uh, uh, celebrating 15 years, uh, over 15 years now, of his sobriety. Steve, uh, is it is it Barnett? Is that how you pronounce your name? Bart. Bart. Yep. Spell your name. It's an interesting spelling. B-A-R-N-D-T. Bart. Yes. All right, you did that just, down when we immigrated. You did that just to confuse <laughs> us, I'm sure. Uh, uh, Steve Barnt is uh, the executive director of something called Just for Today Recovery and Veterans Support Services. As I said, he's used his 15 years of sobriety to uh, good effort in dedicating his life, more or less, to uh, helping people battle substance abuse, veterans in particular, obviously, and uh, an even wider range of help for them. Steve, thanks for joining us on Recovery Radio, and I, I know you've brought a colleague yes. with you. Who, 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 are we, uh, who are we sitting with here? We brought along Allie. Allie is our newest addition. She's been part of the center, is volunteering and showing up, and uh, uh, we've recently received some money, a grant to expand our veteran services, and part of that was to bring on a part-time employee, a veteran, to help with that. And Allie has come on board with us and I put her to work right away. <laughs> Obviously. Pressed into duty on Recovery Radio. Allie, thanks for your time. Thank Welcome you. to the program. You, you, you're a vet? Yes, what sir. What branch of service? I'm the Army veteran. You're an Army veteran? Please don't call me sir. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just habit. I know. <laughs> it's habit. It's a military habit. Um, well, we're going we're to find out what, uh, what Allie uh, is helping you with here. But a little bit about you, Steve. 15 years of sobriety. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's quite, quite an, an achievement. Uh, how, how do you wind up with, with helping vets? What, what was the motivation for that? All right. Well, the motivation, again, with the motivation mainly is, and you touched on a little bit, uh, the recovery process is hope. You know, there's hope. There is a way out. There is. And I've always held on to that from the beginning because I saw it through other people helping me. And that's been the core of what I'm doing is they were there to help me. Uh, I, I was fortunate, you know, come across some people along the way that believed in you know, what I was trying to do. And, uh, you know, that's how we started this. In the, It's been 15 years now since you got sober. Um the re recovery and substance abuse and attitudes and information about it 15 years ago was dramatically different oh, than it's it is today, right? Different. Correct, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is completely different. Yeah. How, what, what, what is, in your view, in that 15 year period, and I know a lot has changed, what, what's the most significant change you've seen uh, with regards to the whole subject of substance abuse and recovery? Well, clearly in the last three, four years, and working in the field, I've been working in the field for just about 15 years of that time I've been in recovery. Uh, the um, 
what we're dealing with now with this opioid epidemic has just really changed the whole scheme of things. Uh, the stigma is starting to get knocked down a little bit. It's getting to be more recognized as a disease of addiction and not just a moral shortcoming. You know, I've noticed uh, is the biggest thing with that. And unfortunately, with the opioid epidemic and the deaths that's come to that, even though working in the field, this, this has been brewing for the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, you'd see this coming a long way right. off. How did you first find your way to to treatment and then and then okay. sobriety? Well, it came as I was a late bloomer. I was 42. I did 30 years of using and running and uh, not caring and the whole jails, institutions and everything that comes along with it. And then just at this last point, I lost everything homeless, uh, you know, lost my family, my home and everything else. And uh, I call it a God moment, you know, a higher power moment. I had a moment of clarity, I'll say. And again, uh, the treatment center I went to, I did go into treatment, inpatient treatment at that point finally and start and learn. I actually had to learn what I was dealing with. It wasn't that I was a bad person just using drugs all the time and doing what I was doing. I have a disease of addiction. Mm -hmm. and I learned about that and that gave me the opportunity then to understand, okay, I know what I'm fighting now. Let's go at it. You uh, know, in addition to the public who, who's come to understand this as a disease and not a moral mm -hmm. failure, I, I, am, I don't think I've ever asked anybody in recovery this, but when you were using and struggling with it, knew, knew something was wrong, did you think you were sick or did you also think you were just screwing up? I didn't know I was sick. Uh, I knew I c couldn't stop. Right. And my behaviors were horrible. So uh, that's what stuck out to me. But inside, to be honest with you, inside there was always that I'm, I'm a different person than what I'm doing now and how I'm acting. This is now. wrong, right? In other words, right. this, this, this is, is wrong. wrong. I was brought up. I was brought up with, you know, yeah. you know, my mother and father were very, you know, old school. You know, you learn right and wrong. Mm -hmm. I knew, but I chose a different path. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Allie, we'll get into your story uh, straight ahead. Uh, as, as a veteran, though, we're going to get deep into some of the unique difficulties uh, veterans have just readjusting to civilian life anyway. And then you combine it with uh, with some substance abuse or drinking problems, and you and you really have a the real battle in some sense can begin after you're out of the service, right? Yes, it definitely can. What was your experience like um, with addiction? Yes. Um, well, I was in active addiction for 16 years of my life. I'm 30 years old. Um, I was about to get out of active duty <laughs> in the army, and I came home and something else traumatic happened and I started resorting to drugs and alcohol and um, I got out and um, something that I struggle with um, is my mental health which is PTSD and it would it used to control my life and it would consume me um, fear paralyzed my mind my thoughts the way I thought and I never thought that there was any way out there was no light at the end of that tunnel. And I was also raised a military brat from my dad and five brothers and four boy cousins and no mom. So I'm the only girl. Um, so, and then I went in the military at 19. Um, and that was quite the experience. But the hope is um, that even being in and out of institutions and overdosing numerous times, more times than I can count on my both my hands, um, there is hope, and there is a way that veterans and anyone in recovery can learn how to manage 
your thoughts and not to act on impulse. Um, in my recovery process this time, I've utilized every resources this this time that's been offered to me, including JFT, the Veterans Center, the VA, NA meetings, AA meetings, um, working my steps, having a sponsor. And I am... No, I know how to control and manage my mental health today. Mm -hmm. I guess that I guess that co-occurring situation that Allie described with the with the trauma post mm -hmm. post traumatic shock is pretty common among among veterans. Correct? Very common. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, very common. The, the whole mental health, the co-occurring, like you said, with drug addictions, hand in hand. So, so you you uh, are not unusual in, in, in with regard to using your your sober life in the field of helping others. A lot of people uh, do that. Um, it's almost a calling very often. But you did focus on veterans. I know you're not a veteran. So why why the particular uh, interest in veterans? Well, again, um, I have veterans in my family. It was a I lost part of my foot in an accident when I was a kid. Grew up on a farm. I I couldn't get in, and it wasn't you know it was. Peacetime, so they're more picky. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but uh, no resentments there. But anyway, but, uh, but my father was a World War II veteran, uh, B-24 bomber, shot down, POW, escaped. I mean, it's in our family, and, you know, like Ali was saying, and it's just uh, – it, and it's that, that's a population that's so underserved to begin with. Period. Well, yeah, we know that. I mean, do we even have a veterans uh, uh, the uh, a director of the veteran Veterans Affairs Bureau yet? I'm not sure we I don't do. Think or we not. do have one. <laughs> we one. have one. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure they're working on it yeah, in Washington. Right, so. uh, they do have unique. Uh, there are unique circumstances. I, I mean, this disease uh, strikes everybody. It's an equal opportunity destroyer of lives. I don't mean to say there's something unique or different um, about veterans who are struggling with the disease, but but they have different needs. Uh, Allie. Coming back as a – how long were you active in the military? Um, four years. And you were using period. through that whole period of time? Uh, majority of the time it was alcohol, but when I was about to get – I came back and I was on active duty, I resorted to drugs because uh, alcohol didn't do it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't strong enough, and I needed to go to the next thing to numb what was going on because I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Is it your experience, and Steve, you can chime in as well, that – for instance, with with alcohol, in 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 a military context, it's more or less um, given. Like, of course, of course, you're drinking. You've got a tough job, and maybe you've seen combat. And why shouldn't you drink? Was that was that sort of the environment you were in? Yes, it was, and it was. Uh, I went in at 19. My first duty station was South Korea, Yongsan, Camp Coiner. It was a thing to do. Uh, military, like. Um, you go out, you drink. I mean, I was at the point of I would work seven days a week, but I'd get off at like five and I'd go drinking and partying at night and I'd go to sleep at three in the morning, wake up at five, do it all over again. And I thought that was okay. Like there was nothing wrong with it because it was legal. And it's kind of crazy because I look back and um, it kills you from the inside out, alcohol and drugs. And... Um, People with um, substantial clean time and work a thorough program like Steve here and uh, have some great wisdom and knowledge and compassion and want to help people is definitely a benefit to everybody. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. With us uh, on the show today from an organization called Just for Today Recovery and Veteran Support Services is the executive director of that group, Steve Barnt, and his uh, colleague, brand new hire, 
uh, former uh, active military, uh, Ali, uh, Ali Muir, uh, talking about their experiences uh, with uh, helping others uh, with the disease of addiction. Uh, Ali, before we, before we uh, get into the, uh, the nitty-gritty of what kinds of things you, you're doing there, the culture of drinking and hard living and maybe even drug use in, in the military um, is it, it's always framed in a kind of a masculine uh, context. I mean, the entire military, in spite of the fact there are you know, loads and loads and loads of women now doing everything men do. It's still a macho environment. Yes. Uh, th- did you feel at any point that, that you had to keep up with the boys? Always. I mean, um, you're always being judged and always being, uh, yes, I, I mean, I grew up with my dad. He was a cop after he got out of the Navy. He was an MP and my brothers. Um, and I always had to make sure I could do just as good or if not better. So I was so used to growing up being a woman in a man's world and no one knowing how to do everything like a guy does, like whether it's changing taking a transfer case out or whatever, a vehicle, drywall, landscape, whatever it was. So going in the military, that wasn't the hard part about it. It was the more so structure because um, I was using and drinking before I went in. And, you know, uh, one of my brothers came to me and said, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, you're right. Um, went in, I was coming off of some stuff and it was the best thing I ever did. Um, did they think the military was going to straighten you out? You'd, you'd stop, you'd stop all this foolishness and straighten It up? would help teach me self-discipline. <laughs> yes. Gain some military bearing, learn what integrity is, honor, duty, um, stuff like that. Um, and it did. It, uh, definitely now that I'm clean. Well, now you can fall back on it. Yes. But my military bearing sure, coming back. Absolutely. Yes. But the disease, as we know, is so, is so powerful that it would obliterate all those, all those notions of duty and honor and integrity. And right. You have duty, honor, integrity to your disease, mm-hmm. you know, in this disease. Yeah. Yeah. But I just want to say when she came around to the center, she started barking orders at me. So it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody like her be perfect in this context, she right? Is. She yeah. is. There's not a lot of coddling goes on around that's here. That's why she's here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Steve, tell us, tell us about the, the sort of things that um, veterans have come to you in need of. Okay. Well, basically, I'll get into what we do, and then uh, that, that, that feeds right into that good. A lot of it was really just support, somewhere to go. A, a, an addict alone or a person recovering in their head by themselves is in a very bad place. You know, and then with the veterans, you know, we had to multiply that. So it was one thing to have a place where you can come be safe and not feel odd, you know, or out of the place. So uh, that, but, um, um, and again, those running short, we were finding, you know, detox. The VA, VA was having people in detox for five days, and if they didn't have a bed, they were sending them out. These people were still withdrawing. So we're trying to offer a place, at least you're not going home without anything, a place that you could be. We do some residential at our facility. We could get you in there, even even if it was temporary. So that type of support. Um, but, man, it was just peer support. Yeah, yeah. Um, Allie, is it, is it uh, helpful in those early stages of recovery when you're in safe places that there are other mil- ex-military or veterans 
in the process with you. Is that is that helpful? Yes, it definitely is. Um, for me, that's what gave me hope. That's what helped give me just a, a, enough enough to see that I could I could do it, and I wasn't alone. And there were people, not just other veterans, but other people, males and females in recovery. They were going through the same thing, and that gave me hope. That helped me say, oh, okay, I'm not alone. I can do this. Like, they're going through it too, and it helped me give a little bit, give myself a little bit of motivation and willingness. And uh, from my experience, that's key because when we're at the bottom of all bottom and we go out on a relapse or whatever the case may be, and we come back, we're humiliated, and we have no hope, and we feel like we're worthless, we're no good. And when somebody comes around and encourages us, encourages us and say, hey, I know where you're at. I've been there or I'm right there. You're not alone. It gave me hope. Yeah. That's hope. It, it, it's so fascinating. Uh, the more I talk to people who, who have been down this road, I, I always like to say all stories of addiction and recovery are the same, except they're different. Uh, and I'm always struck by something you, you, you just said, this notion that in spite of how smart you might be and how well-read and how aware – when you're in active addiction, you think it's only happening to you, right? That's a that's a that's a, a fascinating phenomenon. It's it is part of the disease working the to disease keep you quiet, right? Is to isolate. Right. That's what our disease does. Yeah. No matter what your your experience tells you that you know you can, you know other people are abusing drugs, you know other people are are doing things they shouldn't. You feel like we're unique. Nobody knows. Right. Yeah. And really, that's the disease talking. Yes. Every day. Yes. That sort of thing calls us back. So at the uh, – and you guys for uh, shorthand uh, call this um, uh, FTR, right? JFT. Uh, JFT. JFT. Yeah, we, uh, JFT. We originally we were trying to get a name for it, and we had a continent contest like taking ideas. Right. And really what stuck was JFT. Yeah. So it's it. sort of a play on one day at a time, right? Just for today. So these guys are the, – the guys and girls, ex-military, uh, in, in real crisis – you're saying to them, come here, let's talk about this just for today. Just today. Just get – that's what I learned early on. I just have to get through today. I don't have to go the rest of my life. I just got to get through today. So, yes. How many people over the years do you think have come through the uh, your your, uh, your uh, center? Well, thousands. I mean, we, we literally have 200, 250 people a week that come through for all the different things that we do there. Uh, we were up to peak around 300, 350 a week at some wow. point that was coming through the center for all the different services and different things that we have. So a lot. When we come back, we're going to um, uh, take a, a, a look at wh whether the benefits that rightfully should flow to veterans are getting to them uh, or whether the whole process of, uh, of veterans getting what they deserve just exacerbates the problem of dealing with substance abuse. I'm Steve Martorano. We're here on Saturdays. We talk about the disease of addiction, and uh, we talk about the many, many ways that are available to get sober. Uh, upwards of 20, 25 million people, the last estimate, are living in long-term successful sobriety, uh, and uh, it, it can be done. The, the program is sponsored by Retreat, Premier Addiction Treatment Centers. I tell you every week, listen, they're, uh, they're world-class. Uh, they are world class. If uh, you could probably knew, do no better than uh, going to retreat if, if they have the services and the treatment that are called for in your case. But I, I'm just giving you this phone number 
uh, for informational purposes. If you have a question about anything you heard on the program or anything at all about this disease or treatment, what you're getting, benefit, whatever, uh, Retreat has told me just give them our number. We'll do the best we can to get them the good information. And, of course, their reputation is uh, – uh, outstanding in the, the field of treatment anyway. So that's why we tell you uh, this is a phone number uh, we hope you never need to use. But in, in, a, in a bad time, at a bad moment, this could be a real difference. So it's 855-859-8808. That's how you reach Retreat, Premier Addiction Treatment Centers, 855-859-8808. In the studio with us is Steve Bart and Ali Muir. They are, uh, Steve is the executive director. Ali is his colleague in this uh, Just for Today Recovery and Veteran Support Services. They have uh, together have over 17 years now of sobriety. Steve's 15. Ali's uh, working on, on two years, and they've devoted themselves now to helping veterans who, who have uh, s- substantial problems, as we said at the beginning of the program, just reintegrating back into civilian life, suffering from co-occurring mental, mental health issues, from uh, post-traumatic stress and that. And, and, and just like anybody with this disease of addiction, overcoming that and then learning to have a regular life uh, is, is uh, you know, often daunting. And, 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 and that's what uh, what's, uh, Steve and Ali uh, have been working on. Steve, we talked about the veterans. Be- veterans have a bunch of uh, benefits that they get justifiably. They, sh- they shouldn't have to pay for anything for the rest of their If you've been in combat, you should not have to pay for anything for the rest of your life as far as I can figure out. But, but tell us what your experience has been working with, with the, the you know, veterans affairs and how does it make the, make the situation easier, more difficult? How? Well, yeah, anything to do with government becomes harder. You know, um, one of the problems, the biggest problems with that is the allocation process, allocating the funds. We're still funneling things down the same funnel we funneled the funding before and not looking at other opportunities like us. And there's other organizations doing things that, that aren't getting the help, you know, that need the help. We're, we like to, we, we call ourselves triage. We're on the front line, you know, uh, and that's the biggest frustrating part. The other part of it is, you know, I've, I've reached out, you know, to the VA to explain what we have and what we do. And I've been told numerous, numerous times if I get past the first layer that uh, we got things under control. And I say, all due respect, you don't. And yes, we do. And I had to let them, that one phone conversation I had with them two weeks prior to that, one of their veterans overdosed and died. Yeah. That was not. So getting the open ear. You know, that we can help, others can help is the tough. And then the allocation of funding is just it's the way they've been doing it for years. Yeah, we're, we're all familiar with, um, with the size of government bureaucracy. And sometimes you can be so large that you're really distant from the ground and what's going on there. Allie, before you found the uh, Veteran Support Center services, were you, were you, were the v, was the VA taking care of you in any meaningful way? Uh, they were, I, um, I, after I relapsed, I, I went to jail and then, um, I was trying to find a rehab. I, you know, in all honesty, I never knew that the VA had rehabilitation centers and I went to the VA Dom from the Lebanon Medical Center and, uh, that was the best, um, rehab I've ever been to. It learned, it taught me how to meditate. It taught me visual metaphors. It 
taught me coping skills about for my mental health and how to just like breathe and when stuff happens and you can't you can't control something that happens i close my eyes and count to 10 focus on my breathing and it brings me it centers me back to where i need to be um and this time around uh the va has given me more than um they ever have uh but i do know something that uh the va could possibly just a suggestion um give their clients uh all the resources not just the resources with va when it comes to ptsd and mental health and substance abuse whether it's alcohol and drugs because from my experience um yes there's a lot of resources and benefits with us as veterans with the veterans administration but there's also places out there such as just for today veteran and recovery support services that can afford and benefit uh veterans as well with um becoming a productive member of society and helping them transition into life and give them everything that they need in order to survive and stay clean. Uh, just for today, so close to the ground, Steve, you, 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 you're not, there's nothing theoretical about what you do. Or no. um, Tell us about some of the things. I mean, I know that housing and f- food sharing and uh, tell us about some of the services All you right. provide. Uh, yes, we do. We, we offer structured housing. We're a blend right now. We're not 100% veterans. Our goal in the next year is to have 100% veterans, but it takes funding. But So we blend the housing, structured housing uh, for recovery. When you and say structured, you mean sober living. Sober living, yes. correct, okay. yep. And uh, the food program we offer, we're proud of it. We work with the Pennsylvania Food Bank. It's called the Military Share Program. We have 25 veterans a week that we feed with 80 to $90 worth of food every week. Uh, we distribute from the center, and we're really proud of that. And that's why we're bigger. We'd love to expand it. Uh, if you want to donate, donate to the Central Pennsylvania Food Bank. They, the money, money they have, the more they have, the more they can provide. The less they have, the less they can provide. Uh, we'd love to expand our program. Uh, so the housing, the food program. We have two groups. One has started up. It's a spiritual group out of the darkness for veterans uh, to learn trust in themselves and trust in others that we're currently doing on Sundays at two. And with the money, the grant we received to bring Allie on board, we are going to be doing a weekly PTSD group, which ties directly into addiction. That'll be a weekly group for 10 veterans that we'll be able to put on. Just for today is uh, working primarily in the Cumberland. Is it Cumberland County? We're in Cumberland County. We yeah. serve all. We have no boundaries as far as who we can serve. The food program has no boundaries. I have people from York County, Dolphin County that come for. But yes, we are located in Lemoyne, which is in Cumberland County. Yeah, I know you won an award recently, right, in Cumberland County? We well. Not as much reward, some recognition. Yeah, what is the what we're doing? Yeah, what is the? By the way, is there is there a big problem with homelessness among vets? Tremendous. Is it? Is that right? Tremendous. How how, how do we, uh, Ali? I'm, I don't know whether you were ever homeless, but I was. You were. Yeah. How does that happen? How, how does how does that happen? Um, well, with me, when I got out of active duty, um, I came home and I didn't have nowhere to go. I didn't have any money. Um. I got out and I used all my money right before I got out because I was drinking and using and I was on the streets. Um, Family didn't want to take me in um, because I was an alcoholic. And so I 
for what? It was almost about a year. Um, I carried my ACU backpack around. I slept on bus stops. I slept in parks with a knife under my backpack, make sure nothing happened. There were times I was jumped. I slept on couches. Um, had to scramble through trash cans for food. Um, and that was in 2011. So, um, I've had experience with that. I don't know how other veterans become homeless, but I try and talk to the homeless here in, um, well, there in Harrisburg all the time. I give them food or get them a drink, whatever, pray with them, uh, tell them, you know, I've been there, you know, you can get, you can get help. Yeah. Uh, can I just add yeah, something to yeah. quick with the homeless? Uh, what I found is, um, and we're talking about addictions and, and we deal with recovery, sober housing. With the veterans programs, there's some funding for housing out there, different programs for veterans, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but with I've, I've reached out to them, and because of some of the restrictions on the money, what we do with the structured housing won't fit into that. You know, and it needs to fit into that, especially when we're talking addictions or needs. So it, you, you mean you mean in terms of the hoops you want has to jump through in the right or how. Or again, or, or again, we're structured how we recovery housing. Mm-hmm. And I've been told by some of these agencies themselves, we need this type of housing for veterans in recovery. But the restrictions on whether it's a apartment, if it's this or if it's that, or you, you can say this or can't say that limits what funding can come from the outside for the veterans. Part of the grant we got with Allie here is we are going to have some money allocated that we can pay for veterans for some of the housing to bring them in until possibly we can get them hooked up with one of the new things. But that's a, a block, too. Yeah. Uh, what is the Future Vets program? The Future Vets? Oh, okay. Well, it's based off of a program in Maryland. They're a 200-bed facility, but basically what they do is uh, they go out in the street and bring homeless veterans in, and they set them up. It's set up in a military fashion, four platoons. You come in first platoon. Veterans work there. Your work voted by your peers to eventually to a sober housing on campus, and it gets education, employment, treatment, help with the treatment. The VA actually comes into their facility five days a week to work with these coming through. And it's a wonderful program. We want to model that, obviously, on a much smaller basis or a 200-bed facility. Uh, we'd like to model that, and um, then we can really specify into the veterans' uh, issue or situations more than what we can now. And you, you guys have a recovery center in, in Lemoyne? Correct. We have the JFT, short for short. But yes, we have a recovery center that offers a place to come that you don't have to be by yourself. We're open seven days a week with volunteers. Um, we, uh, for two and a half years, we have been open every day. Uh, we always can use volunteers, but we keep the doors open. You can just come and be and not be alone, be with others. Uh, we have a clothing pantry program for anybody to come and take what they want. We have internet access to help with benefits, school, as right. well as rope in seven days a week. Uh, we do set, set, seven days a week. We have different support groups, variety of support groups in recovery, from Wharf Rat meetings from the Grateful Dead to the traditional 12-step programs to meditation programs to refuge. Uh, we do a variety in there, uh, Spanish-speaking AA meetings. So for that, we have a variety. This is support the recovery community. Uh, we have a Vivitrol program. Uh, we do work with also. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We have uh, been talking about veterans, uh, veterans in crisis, veterans in need, a program we wanted to do here 
on Recovery Radio for a while, so we're very grateful for our guests, Steve Barnt and Allie Muir. Steve's the executive director, and Allie is just a new hire there, helping Steve with the Just for Today Recovery and Veteran Support Services uh, organization. Founded, what, 10 years ago, Steve? Uh, the organization itself was back in 2006. It's morphed to this. The center itself and JFT Recovery and Veteran Support Services is about two and a half years old itself. Uh, d- dedicated to, as you can imagine, helping uh, veterans across a wide, wide uh, area of their needs. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the other things that are available through uh, Just for Today. I, I know you guys... Uh, tell me about the warm handoff pr- program. What's that? Really good. We're excited about that. We have contracted with Cumberland County, uh, the SCA, the Cumberland Dolphin, or, um, Drug and Alcohol, uh, to do a warm handoff. Warm handoff, briefly, is uh, we will send CRSs to the three hospitals in Cumberland County to, uh, if they have an overdose that is, you know, wants help, looking for help to come in. We have a certified recovery specialist that we send there. And our goal, the warm handoff, is whatever type it is, whether it's a detox, an inpatient, uh, maybe to an outpatient, to an MAT, whatever. But instead of just having them get up and walk out and walk away, uh, even if it's just to leave information that maybe in a week or so, you know, we can follow up and or vice versa. It's, so it's just basically we're bringing people back from overdoses and they walk away only to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we know now with Narcan, the Mm -hmm. public awareness of uh, its availability and what it what it's used for, it saves lives. It's it's a harm reduction method. Uh, But that's an interesting point about the second piece of that is you you just can't revive somebody from an overdose and let them walk off because they will wind up uh, up using again. That the moment of the clarity may be then. Yeah. Tell us about the. It's a mobile unit you have. Um, the a mat. Am I reading this right? A, a mat mobile truck. Well, we don't have the truck. And long story to that, that's morphed a little bit. We have a Vivitrol coordination program. Uh, Tell rich, people who might not know, Vivitrol yeah. is used. It's a uh, antagonist. It's basically uh, blocks the receptors from the opioid and alcohol. It's used for alcohol also. Take cravings away and also take the, the buzz away. Uh, so it's one of the MATs that's used. It's a once a month injection. So it's harder to be abused than some of the other ones you're committed, you know, <laughs> when you get that. Uh, the mobile park came, we just were mauling it around when we first opened or got, got the idea with it and we found the mobile uh, possibilities. It wasn't us, but through another organization from the Western part of the state. and. Um, they came to our center and brought this mobile unit. And so we were doing injection and doing, you know, at the center with it. Unfortunately, it never got mobile for us. They, they had other ideas and that's okay. Okay, <laughs> I understand that. They're mobile. So we are currently uh, uh, two times a month, we do injections at our center at JFT in Lemoyne. And then we also work with a doctor locally that we can uh, get them over to them for an appointment. We are going mobile on our own. We, we have resources in Perry County because it's very rural up there in northern Dolphin County that we're looking to get into like an office space or something that we can then through telemed and modern technology, you know, and take a nurse and a CRS and go do that. So it, it, it's morphed a little bit. Uh, but yes, so currently, though, we're at the center and then we're at the uh, with our doctor. While we're on just this topic of uh, uh, 
mobility. Mm. Um, it's important to note that I know you, like most people in this field, recognize that when when someone says they're ready for treatment, that's just the first step. Actually, getting them there, getting them there, getting there's a big deal, right? We've yes, what we've done here, and it's great. You know, we've made 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 Medicaid available. All right, but we did that before we had the beds to put the people in, and it's a scramble. Now it's getting a little better as far as that goes. But, yes, it's having a bed. I've had to wait a week sometimes. We've had somebody that wants to go to detox and go, and it's going to be five to seven days out before they can get a bed. Again, it's where I think the MATs could help a little bit in that in-between time, but that's a little bit of a battle too. We're sort of working with our warm handoff, working to bridge that. We call it a bridge, to bridge that gap. Yeah. You know, we, we during the break we were talking about the, the the number of people who are classified as veterans, millions. We I don't even know what the figure would be, but if they reflect the general population as a whole, then you know, if ten percent of the population is suffering from this disease and other mental health issues, we're talking about tens of millions of people. It's scandalous yes. that not that veterans get this disease in, in any greater number than anybody else or that they even get it because it, it affects everybody, but that they should have a more difficult time get, getting help. Right. Uh, Allie, are, are you, you're, you're convinced, I guess, since you're doing this now with, uh, with uh, Just for Today, that this, this place you're in between – the VA and homelessness is critical to getting vets help. Yes, I I think it is. Um, I'm passionate about it. I've been on both sides of the fence. I've um, I've experienced some things in my lifetime uh, that I'm sure a lot of veterans, not just veterans, but women in recovery have as well, including men. And you know, I can play one part this part and if we can help one person yep stay clean that's my goal and you know i've been through that and just to be a hope shot that's well, our goal well i have no doubt that this helps uh, as i said at the beginning of this the veterans uh, the veteran affair bureau is gigantic a gigantic thing has has a huge job to do you guys are much closer to the ground uh you should be supported by everybody, certainly the community and the state and at the federal level. If people want more information about Just for Today Recovery and Veteran Support Services, what should they do, Steve? Oh, we are on on the web. We have a website, uh, jft-rvss.org. Uh, we're Facebook. Just Facebook Just for Today will come up. We're Facebook. And then the center and all the contact numbers and stuff are on the web page or at Facebook. You can get a hold of us that way. Stephen Alley, thanks for joining us on Recovery Radio. We, we hope to get you back here again soon. I hope. Right. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, folks. And don't forget about us, Recovery Radio. Bye-bye. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.